Hello, glad you can meet with me again today. We're continuing on with our book study of Genesis, and we're up to chapter 24. So if you're ready, we'll get started with chapter 24, verse number 1. We're learning today about Isaac's marriage. It says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham was definitely getting old. He lives to be about 175 years old, even though we're going to find out he's not so old that he doesn't get married again after the death of his wife, first wife, Sarah. And so, he, but he is getting older, but throughout his life, God has blessed him. We've seen God bless him over and over again. In verse number two, in fact, we need to look at our own lives and see how God is blessing our lives. Uh, things that might not look like a blessing, we need to re-examine them and realize they are blessings. God is keeping his hand on us. It's, it's not always the presence that are blessings. Sometimes it's in the difficult things that come into our life that God is teaching us, showing us how to do things, raising us up to be the people he has called us to be. We should be thankful that God is letting us go through things, but yet keeping his hand on us as we go through difficulties, because we grow as Christians when that happens. And verse number two says, And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of the house, that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And so uh, if we look back at Genesis 15 and 2, uh, a man by the name of Eliezer was the steward of his house back then. And uh, I think probably this person here that is referred to as the old, eldest servant of the house uh, is probably still Eliezer. Uh, we're not told that it's anyone else anyway. So I would, I would imagine it's still Eliezer from Genesis 15 and 2. And now he says, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. He is going to make a covenant. Uh, Abraham is going to make a covenant with Eliezer uh, to, for Eliezer to go and look for a wife for Isaac. And so let's read on. He says, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And then he says in verse 3, And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac, in verse 4 there. So Abraham is being very clear. We're going to make a covenant. You're going to go back to my country over in Mesopotamia, go to my family, and you're going to find my son, a wife over there. You're not going to let my son have a wife of the Canaanites, of these nations that are dwelling in the land of promise or the land of Canaan. And let me read you something here. According to ancient custom, uh, this covenant that we're making was a serious and solemn, serious oath. Abraham was extremely concerned that Isaac is not married to a Canaanite bride, making his servants swear by the Lord God of heaven and the God of the earth. Now listen to what um, Adam Clark, the, the theologian Adam Clark, 
has to say about this covenant. He says, the person binding himself put his hand under the thigh of the person to whom he was to be bound. In other words, he put his hand on the part that bore the mark of the circumcision, the sign of God's covenant. Our ideas of delicacy may revolt from the right used on this occasion, but when the nature of the covenant is considered, of which circumcision was the sign, we shall at once perceive that this rite could not be used without producing sentiments of reverence and godly fear, as the contracting party must know that the God of this covenant was a consuming fire. That was written by Adam Clark. He lived from 1762 to 1832. And so this covenant, it may seem odd to us today, but it wasn't back in Abraham's day, and it was a very serious thing. They, they knew by making this covenant, it was very serious. So the Eliezer should not make this covenant unless he was taking it very seriously. And we should be the same today. We should not make a covenant with God or anyone else unless we are very serious. Because as I said before about covenants, covenants are perpetual. And verse number five says, And the servant said unto him, that be Eliezer, peradventure, when you say that word peradventure, it just means per, usually perhaps. And the servant said to him, peradventure, or perhaps, the woman will not be willing to, to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? So Eliezer is asking a good question. He says, hey, what if I can't get this, this woman that I'm going to find for Isaac? What if she won't come back here with me? Should I come home and get Isaac and take him there? And uh, Abraham is going to be very clear. And in fact, let's see what he says. He says, and Abraham said to him, he said, beware that thou bring not my son hither or thither again. He said, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and which spake unto me and that spare, swear unto me, saying, unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. So Abraham is being very clear. My son, Isaac, the son of promise, the one that's supposed to be the forefather of all the nations. He is not to leave. He is not supposed to be taken back to Mesopotamia. He's not supposed to be taken anywhere away from the land of promise. The son of promise is not to be taken from the land of promise or the promised land. He is to stay right here. He is to stay right here and have sons that are going to be the fathers of all these nations that are supposed to come out about and live in the land of Canaan and become uh, the nation of Israel. So Abraham is being very clear and he is saying that God is going to go before him and prepare the way. Do we ever ask God to prepare the way before us? There's nothing wrong with that. We There's nothing wrong with asking God to help us and go before us and prepare the way for us. God wants to be a God to us. He wants us to put our faith in him. 
and trust him that he will go and help us. Have we got enough faith to believe that God will go before us and prepare the way? Eliezer had faith in it. He believed God would prepare the way before him. And this is what it says here in verse number 8. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. So he's being very clear. If you can't get that woman to leave and come home here with you, which that'd be a big ask, big ask to ask a woman to leave uh, from the city of Nahor, which is at the northern part of Mesopotamia, uh, probably at the very western part of Turkey, as we would see it today. Um, that that would be a big ask. And it looks like it was around uh, close to 800 miles one way. So that would have been a big ask to to meet a woman, not really know her, and say, hey, would you come and be my master's son's wife? She would have to know God was in that. And, and so he's supposed to bring her back. But Abraham is very clear. If she won't come, then you're clear of this covenant. And don't take my son there. He doesn't want his son leaving the land of promise. And verse number nine says, And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning that matter. So after uh, Abraham laid out all the elements of the, of the covenant, still Eliezer was willing to, to do what he was asked. That's a, a pretty good person that's willing to do what he's asked to do. He's willing to go and follow the leading of the Lord. That's what we need to do is follow the leading of the Lord. Verse number 10 says, And, and, and the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master, and departed for all the goods of his master, goods means wealth, for all the goods or wealth of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. Uh, I want to talk just, just a moment here about camels, because we see camels, he took 10 camels with him. And uh, I'm not sure if they were riding on these camels, but I know they were using as pack animals. It was a long walk up there. But let me give you a little bit of a trivia about uh, these animals. They're very important animals. So a camel can travel between 40 and 100 miles a day. That, that's quite a bit of travel, between 40 and 100 miles. And camels can run up to about 40 miles an hour. Uh, a horse can average 30, 35 miles an hour. So there's they're as fast as a horse. Uh, a camel can drink up to 30 gallons in 13 minutes. That, that's a lot. Now, a lot of people will tell you that the camels store water in their humps, but that's, that's actually not true. A camel's hump is not filled with water. Rather, it is filled with fat that is metabolized for energy when water is needed and they can't get any. And then also there are two kinds of camels. You probably know this already. There's the Arabian variety of camel, which is called the dromedary, and they have one hump on their back. 
And then there's also the Asian variety, the Bactrian, which has two humps. And the last thing I can tell you about uh, camels is that they are pregnant for about 12 to 14 months. And my understanding, and I could have this wrong, but I don't think so, is that uh, uh, Abraham had the dromedary camel, the one hump camels. So, uh, and we see that Eliezer took 10 of these camels and packed them down with, with lots of um, wealth and took it with him. And I understand also, I didn't have this down here, but I, I understand that camels can carry close to 200 pounds of goods. That's a lot of stuff. And so verse 11 says, And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. So what we see here is Eliezer has now gone to the city of Nahor. And when he got there, his camels were thirsty. They'd been traveling and carrying things with them. And he, he gets his camels to rest here, kneel down and rest. And he's going to get them some water. And uh, verse 12 says, And he said, O Lord God, my master Abraham. O Lord, Lord God of my master Abraham. I mean, I said that wrong. He said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. So Eliezer is starting to pray here. And I like that he also has a relationship with God, same as Abraham does. Probably no wonder that Abraham put so much faith in this servant, that they both have a great relationship with God. He says, O Lord God, and what he's referring to is, is God Jehovah. So it's very personalized. Not just uh, an impersonal God. But no, this is God Jehovah. I know his name. He knows who I am. I have a personal relationship with him. And he said, oh Lord God Jehovah. Let's, let's read this prayer here from 12 to 14. And he said, oh Lord God of my master Abraham. I pray thee send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. That was their job in that day. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher. I pray thee that I may drink and she shall say, drink and I will give thy camels drink also let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master so we see here that Eliezer is praying to the Lord but he is praying very specifically he says let it come to pass. He's, he's being very specific on what he's praying for. That the damsel whom I shall say, he, he wants whoever I talk to, let, it, let that woman say I can drink from her water jug and that she will also uh, give my camels drink. Now this is a very specific prayer. When, when you pray, 
do you pray generically or do you pray uh, very specifically? For years, I have uh, taught that we need to pray specifically. Uh, now, I know when we're asked to pray for someone's sickness that we pray specifically because we're praying right for their sickness. But in general, when we pray for our families, I think we get in too much of a hurry. And what we need to do, we're, we're praying for our, for our family. We're praying for our sons and for our daughters. Call them out individually. Don't just lump all our children up into one lump and say, Lord, bless all my children. You know, we can do this once in a while because uh, we maybe we'll get in a hurry in our prayer and we got something we got to go do. But it'd be better if we specifically call out their names, call out our friends' names, call out the people you want to pray for, call their names before God and say, Lord, and tell him what you, you want him to do. Tell him, Lord, I want this person to be saved. I want them to be healed. I want this. I want that for that person. Because God wants us to pray specifically for that person. Eliezer here, when he's praying, he prayed in specifics for what he wanted God to do. It's not that God doesn't already know, but God wants us to come before him and be specific and develop a relationship with him in that we feel like we can ask for specifics from God. We say, oh, I don't see many miracles happening. And, and maybe that hinders your prayer. You don't see many miracles. Well, how specific are you praying, or are you just praying generically for God to do something? If you're just praying for God to do something, then God will do something, but you won't know it's God. Pray specifically for God to do things, and, and pray for correct things. Pray for things that, for people. Pray for things for your life. Watch. God, if, if you are one of God's own, God will answer those prayers. God wants to answer those prayers. He says he will give us the desires of our heart. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll just get to have the wealthiest house and the best car out there. What God's going to do, he's going to change the desires of our heart to be his desires. And we will start praying about the things that he wants us to pray about, the things that we need to pray about. God knows what we need to be praying about. And we need to be praying in the Spirit, saints. Let the Spirit pray through you so that the Spirit knows. Scripture tells us the Spirit knows what we need to pray for. We need to let the Spirit pray through us and pray specifically so that you know what you're asking for and so that God knows what you're asking for. Let's continue on with our study here. Uh, verse 15. It says, And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. So she came out ready to do some work and do some watering. And verse 16 says, And the damsel was very fair to look upon a virgin, neither had known had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came back up. Now, um, the wells in these days were not like the wells we're probably thinking of. The wells we're thinking of had kind of a, a, had a turner at the top and would let down a bucket with 
a, um, a rope down into the water. They didn't have that kind in that day. They had the kind where the person had to walk down a few steps down to the water and get uh, and then let get fill up their bucket or their, their beer or their jug, whatever they had, and bring the water back up the steps. And so, and verse 17 says, And the servant ran up to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. Now, this would have been an odd thing for him to be asking. But he went up there and asked her, hey, could I drink out of your pitcher? And she very graciously says in verse 18, and she said, drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. Part of, Already part of his prayer has been answered, but not all of it yet, just part of it. But don't you know, so two elements. It's, she's the person that Eliezer has spoken to, and she has let him drink from her water bucket. Now, is she also going to be finishing up the prayer that he had, finishing as a fulfillment? And in verse 19, and, and when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also. Until they have done drinking. Oh, doesn't God answer prayer? God knows what we're in need of. If we'll only go to him in prayer. We need to go to him in prayer more often and for more time. Our prayers are, are too short. Not that you have to pray long periods of time. But we should get in the habit of praying longer. So that we can spend more time in prayer with the God. And we want to be in prayer with, with the Father. We want Him to hear from us all that we have. Not just asking for things, but in worshiping. We need to worship Him and praise Him. We need to glorify Him for who He is. You might say, I, I have a hard time worshiping. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. At first, it can be a little bit difficult. There's no doubt about that. But as we spend time learning to worship the Lord, then we will become more comfortable with it and able to put more time into worshiping. I would be willing to say that a lot of people go to prayer and they do no worshiping of praising the Lord at all. They go right into asking. And that's because... We are spoiled children. We have forgotten how to pray. We have forgotten that we need to come to the Lord and thank Him for who He is and what all He's done and give Him worship and praise and honor and glory for all that He is. And He is way more than we can even imagine. We need to let Him be God to us and worship Him for being that. He doesn't have to do anything else for us He's worthy of all of our praise. Are we giving him any praise? Or do we just go around and I need this, I need, I need that. Lord, help us. Help us to get past that. There's nothing wrong with asking God for things called supplication. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need to spend time in praise. Start off your prayers with praise. And if you have to set a timer, say, I'm going to do 5, 10, 15 minutes, 
just praising the Lord. If you have to start out uh, singing songs of praise, worship songs, giving God glory through song, that can be part of your prayer. Start out giving him all the glory and then later move in to asking God for things. In our services, we need to worship God in, in praise and glory for all that he is. I could talk about it for a while, but we better move on here. Uh, I forgot my place. And verse 20. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and, and drew for all his camels. So um, when we look at this, uh, each camel could drink around 30 gallons. That's a lot of water, 30 gallons. But he had, uh, Eliezer had 10 camels. So 10, 30 gallons by 10 camels is 300 gallons approximately is what she had to do. And the bucket she was carrying, if she's a healthy, strong woman, which I imagine she was, it said she was a pretty woman. She was probably also healthy and strong since she was uh, doing the watering. Her bucket probably would carry around five gallons. If that's true, that her bucket carried five gallons, then that means... If she had to do 300 gallons for Eliezer's camels, not including her own, that would have been 60 trips to the well, down the steps, dip in the water, back up the steps, walk over, pour the water out into the trough, back down again. And so, you know, Rebecca would have seen his 10 camels and she would have known the heavy lifting that was going to be required to water them. She knew what they needed in water. But what we see is she had the heart of a servant. Do we have the heart of a servant? Do we want to do what God wants us to do? Lord, help us. Lord, change us to have the heart of a servant. That we're willing to do what it takes to help others stay out of a place that they don't belong I want to go and be with the Lord. I don't want to go to a place of punishment. Lord, help me to have the heart of a servant. Let's keep going here. Verse 21 says, And the woman wondering at her, at her, I read that wrong. And the man wondering at her held his peace. To wit, whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. It's an interesting statement that he's wondering at this point since she has fulfilled his prayer. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of a half shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight gold. And he said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? Because he came with other people, not just himself. That's why he said us. Is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And so he doesn't know these people, but remember, this is a, they have different customs in this day. And so uh, she says to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto which she bare unto Nahor. Now, isn't that just like God? God led Eliezer 
right to the right person, right to the family where uh, Abraham wanted him to go. He didn't know who to look for. He didn't know where he was going other than he was going to the city of Nahor. But there are all kinds of people there. But he, God led him directly to the right woman. Isn't that the way God works? God knows how to direct us if we will get ourselves in line with him. Are we lining up with what God wants for us? We forget that God can take care of us. He can direct us. But too much, we try to direct our own path. We try to figure things out for ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with trying to figure, but when we leave God out of the picture, then that's where the problem comes in. Eliezer knew that God knew where to go, and he followed the Lord. Talk about walking in the Spirit, as we're told in the New Testament. We're told to walk in the Spirit. Well, I would say that Eliezer walked in the Spirit from uh, his hometown to the city of Nahor. He walked in the Spirit right in the place to go, took him right to the right well, right to the right woman. God knows where we need to be taken to. And verse 25 says, She said, Moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. So she says, yes, come on. There's all kinds of room at our house. Verse 26, and the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. I want you to notice something here. That Eliezer, he bowed his head and worshiped the Lord. He not just He's not thanking uh, the woman, Rebecca. But he's thanking the Lord for bringing him here. This is part of that worship I was talking about. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful that the Lord has saved us and the Lord is guiding our lives. The Lord is doing things in our life as we allow him to work in our life. You know, if you don't allow the Lord to work in your life, you know, he won't. You know, we have to be able to listen to his still small voice. He's not going to scream and shout at us. He's not going to force his will on us. We have to be willing to follow him. And if you are willing to follow him, you will be amazed what God will do. I've seen so many different things in my life, and I'm expecting many, many more. And 27 says, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham. Still using that phrase, God Jehovah. And who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and of his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. That, that being in the way just means he was traveling along the, the path. And he says, and the Lord led me to my master's brethren. And so he's saying just what I said here. He's he just on the path to the city, and the Lord brought him exactly to the right person. God can do it if we will let him. And verse 28 says, And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. So I can imagine that Rebecca is quite excited at this point. This man has come and given her these uh, earrings and these bracelets, and she she spoke to him about 
his camels and the watering, and he has to come stay here at the house. So they're having some visitors, and so she's running ahead of him. She's excited. God is doing something. And 29 says, And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban, and Laban ran out unto the man, unto the well. This is the first we're hearing about Laban. We're going to be hearing more about Laban as the story continues on. And so Laban, uh, he comes out to meet Eliezer. Now, uh, the dad who is still alive, Nahor is still alive, which we're going to find over in, uh, um, oh, I mean, not Nahor, but Bethuel is still alive, as we're going to find out over in verse, I think, 50. But we're not going to get there today. But we're going to find out he's still alive. But Laban, uh, he is, seems to be taking over the running of the household. Maybe for some reason they figure that he's better at meeting the strangers than is Bethuel. Or maybe Bethuel is getting older and uh, it's easier for Laban to do it. But we're not told. Uh, verse 30 says, And it came to pass. I like that statement. And it came to pass. When he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. Now, we, can, we know this at least, that Laban saw the earring and the bracelets that were on her hands and in her ears. So we know this. Uh, he's interested in the wealth that Eliezer has brought with him. We don't know much else at this point, but he's interested in the wealth. Verse 31 says, And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. So he's shown him quite a bit of... Um, of He's showing him, he's treating him really good. I can't think of the word I want. And he says, Thou blessed of the Lord, come on in. He says, Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels, for you and the camels and your and the people with you. He's come on in. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels and gave straw and provender. For the camels, so he's feeding the camels, giving them food. They're probably hungry, and water to wash his feet, which was the custom of that day. There's a lot of sand around there, and the men's feet that were with him. So he, not not just Eliezer's feet, but he washed all their feet. And thirty three says, and there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, speak on. Verse 34 says, And he said, I am Abraham's servant. So uh, Laban put food out before him. But Eliezer says, Look, I'm not going to eat until I tell you why my master sent me here. I want you to know something. This is important. I just didn't make this trip just for nothing. But it, I've been sent on a mission. And that's what we're on a mission today, saints. We, we're on what's called the Great Commission over in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It's in there, and it's in another gospel also, another couple of them. But we, we have the Great Commission. We've been sent out into the world to tell the people about Jesus Christ. 
Are we telling the world about Jesus Christ or are we too busy talking about what was on TV last night? We should be interested in telling the world about the Lord because that is why we have been called. We've been called to go tell the world about Jesus. He wants the whole world to know. He's called us to go out there to and tell people everything there is to know. He said, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. And saints, we've come to the end of our study today. We're halfway through chapter 24. And we will pick up tomorrow uh, on the other half of this chapter. So I hope you enjoyed today and I will see you tomorrow.